Hey boys, welcome back to another episode of In the Zone. Uh, we're actually here with another Anthony today. Uh, Anthony Pinello has some other personal reasons uh, not being here. It's unfortunate, but we have another Anthony. He's actually been on an episode before. Anthony Chiselli, say hi, buddy. Thanks for having me on, boys. Um, today we're just going to talk quickly about the last dance, talk a little bit about hockey. Uh, the last dance, it was just, it's just been awesome. Six episodes now down. Um, what were your guys' main takeaways of the, the two episodes this week? I know we started off with a nice little Kobe tribute, but what were your guys' initial thoughts on this these two uh, episodes? So. Uh, for me, I think it was right in the beginning, just the whole time. It's You're going behind the scenes. You're looking at Michael Jordan, and you see the rise of a superstar and what that comes with, right? And just that mental... Trying to stay active, uh, you know, on the court and off the court, it's very tough, right? It's everyone's looking up to you, and how, how do you manage that? You know, being a role model off the court, and then on the court, being the best player on the team, uh, people relying on you there as well. So that's what spoke to me in that. Um, just again, kind of, I always like to see other players, what they say about Michael Jordan, right? And Charles Barkley kind of said it best. He's like, I, I always thought I was, again, some, he didn't say these exact words, but um, he's like, uh, I, I always thought I was the best on the court until that time I faced Michael Jordan, right? Even at his best, uh, Charles Barkley was still no match for Michael Jordan, definitely in that playoff series there. So, again, that's what spoke to me during these two episodes this week. Yeah, I'm with you. And then you even see during that all-star break when they bring Kobe into it and they were all talking shit about him in the locker room saying, oh, that little Laker boy is going to go one-on-one with everybody. And then uh, Kobe goes at Michael Jordan and earns his respect on the court. So kind of like that little uh, thing there and Kobe even bringing up that without Jordan, he doesn't really get five rings because he guided him through it. Uh, shows just the respect that Michael Jordan had for players that came after him, the next generation. And uh, Barkley, like you mentioned, Chiselli, he won the MVP that year. And then Jordan, when he was matched up, he was a little pissed that he was third in voting that year and took it out on Charles Barkley and won his title. So it just shows that when it's the NBA Finals, Jordan came up, he showed up and won a Finals MVP and a championship. Yeah, um, a lot of people, when they talk about Michael Jordan, they forget how ruthless he was, even off the court, like we saw in the beginning of that first episode where he's like oh who's this who's this guy on the lakers like this guy's a little kid you know i didn't come out of high school going into the nba let's teach this guy a lesson this punk can he can shoot air balls all he wants we're gonna we're gonna make him work on the defensive end as well you know he can't just play offense so i think mj uh a lot of people gave they gave him flack because they're like oh this guy's kind of a dick he's he's cutthroat but that we like we can't forget that that's exactly what Michael Jordan is. And if you want to be successful and you want to be the best, you gotta you gotta be the toughest in the locker room. So uh, at the beginning, when you saw guys like Reggie Miller, you saw Larry Bird, Magic come in, and you know MJ still throwing shots at them. And he's it's it's 1998 now. That just shows how confident, how much swagger Michael Jordan had. And th- this guy was just he was different, man. He was a different animal. 
the fact, the thing I loved about Kobe was he went right up. Like I remember he, he, the, I think it was the first possession. He's like, I got Mike like right away just <laughs> yeah. on the court. And he, you know what? If I want to be the best, I got to beat the best. So like we even saw in uh, the sit down interview that Kobe said, uh, you know, they, they compare the two all the time. It's like, would Kobe beat MJ? And it's like, I, you, you can't answer that because without MJ, there's just no me. So at the end of the day, MJ kind of started it for Kobe. And uh, we got to, we got to give MJ a lot of love because even uh, we saw later in that, in the uh, next episode, the media, man, we know LeBron James gets it hard. We know nowadays KD, a lot of these guys, they get it hard. But when you're a star in the nineties and like, you're the best player in the world, we saw the media just, just go after him everywhere. What were your guys' thoughts on how MJ took it, even during the gambling scandal? Uh, I, I I thought he handled it. I don't know. I wasn't too happy about seeing the interview there with the sunglasses. That was, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, maybe I wouldn't have worn the sunglasses. Maybe I would have taken it a little bit more uh, seriously. But from what I from what I saw, it was it was getting to him somewhat, right? He was kind of uh, getting away from those questions. Uh, but on the court, though, obviously, I don't think it really affected him at all, <laughs> to be honest with you guys. But uh, from me, I, it does get to you if, if your people keep asking you. And they're also asking about the gambling and also, are you going to come back next year? Again, those two questions, they eat away at you so, so much. But off the court, again, it does affect you. I think it affected him somewhat on the court. I think he was just fine. Yeah, and it showed that Jordan had a little bit of a gambling problem, or he was competitive problem. That's what he called it. Uh, just every possession, like he would uh, say, "Oh yeah, I wasn't betting on uh, the team or games; just betting on myself." And he'd lose in golf, ten thousand dollars a hole or a game, and even that guy, that security guard that beats him in quarters, he's like right in his face, like that guy's a legend. Uh, just gambling. I think this whole episode was about Jordan and gambling. It was a great uh, behind the scenes. It shows that, okay, this guy was the best player in the world, best of all time, but he's a normal person. Like he gambles a lot more than the regular person, but he does go to casinos like other players did. He does have outside interests. So I think this was a good way of humanizing Michael Jordan a bit. And it showed that he's not all about basketball 24 seven. But uh, when he gets away from it, it's just a way to decompress and then come back and just win. So I thought it was good that they did that. Yeah, uh, even with uh, my favorite part, too, with that whole situation was just like <laughs> when you talk about like the gambling and you talk about like the bus, like, you know, when he goes on the bus and he talks about all those those guys and. I remember when when the guy was interviewing Scotty Pimpin and he's trying to get as much info. He's like, "Nah, man, I got a tea time. Like, you gotta, you gotta cut it." Bus. <laughs> so it's pretty funny how even that reporter and that guy from the newspaper he tried like humanizing, but he also tried making MJ kind of look like the villain in a way because he was so perfect. He'd go on the court, he'd be the best player every single night, and off the court, you know, he was this role model. He was this leader. He was this assassin. Him and Phil Jackson, man, I don't know what Jerry Krause was thinking. Like you, you should never, ever, ever go into an interview with a coach that's been so successful and say, "Listen, man, I don't care if you go, if you go undefeated, you're done. You're done this year." 
that just sets you back so much. The morale of the team just goes down. And that, that's exactly what happened. Like, Pimpin wanted to leave because of that. And again, you're going to give the guy only $3 million after what he's done. Just Jerry Krause, man, I think he was definitely the downfall of it. But at the same time, you got to look at the media. You got to look at guys like in newspapers. They were trying really hard to stop MJ from just keep winning championships because that's all he did. He won six championships. He kept going. No one was stopping the guy. So at the end of the day, what were your guys' thoughts on the guy from the newspaper and Jerry Krause? Do you think they did that just to get more attention? Or do you think that was initially their plan the whole time was to kind of stop the success, I guess, of the Bulls, if that makes even any sense? Yeah, honestly, I think it was just... I, it just brought negative attention to uh, the whole locker room. And kind of what you said, you bring the morale down. Uh, I don't... I, I saw the interview with that on, on the last dance. He didn't mean for it to go that far, the, that guy. But, again, I'm not sure. But I do think maybe somebody in the Bulls, they, I don't know, somebody, somebody had a hand in it. That's what I think. Horace Grant. Yeah. <laughs> Horace Grant. <laughs> I don't know. I could be, but, uh, yeah, maybe. But Jerry Krause, I'm not, I'm not too sure about him. He was not... Put, he put together a good team, but again, if you're winning and you're at that high level, don't you shouldn't really do anything to affect that. Just kind of let the players go. And uh, but he didn't do that though. Yeah, and then you see what happened. Uh, some of the reporters will kind of, in a way, help Michael Jordan and firing him up, like uh, Clyde Drexler when they were saying, "Oh yeah, he's comparable to him." And then Jordan got pissed off. He's like, "He's a threat. Don't get me wrong, but." I felt disrespected. I, that guy's even compared to me. Uh, you even saw when they were comparing every guy that Jerry Cross liked, like Tony Kukoc, a guy never even met Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen yet, and already during that dream team, they're just tearing them apart. Everybody that Jerry Cross liked, they wanted to destroy on the court to make them look bad, and just shows how ruthless they were. And uh, just, I, I, I think they really hate him. If uh, Jerry Kroos got fired, I think they would have been happy. I'm just surprised Michael Jordan didn't use his poll to go to the owner and say, I'll come back for another year or two if you get rid of Jerry Kroos. So I'm actually surprised that Kroos was there after that first three-peat and he was there the entire third uh, championship up to 98. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, what were your guys' initial thoughts of the Dream Team? I know we saw... We saw them in the locker room. We, you know, there's that infamous uh, um, MJ versus Magic scrimmage. That's one of the most intense teammate-type scrimmages you'll ever see. The trash talkings there. The, the one thing that I love most is Magic was kind of like a father to MJ, kind of like how MJ was a father to Kobe. It's like you're passing the torch. Magic was probably the most respected on the Dream Team when you think of – I think he was the – the oldest, I think, on the team at the time, and all the young guys like Carl Malone, Pippen, you know, Barkley, Jordan, they all were kind of like, okay, you know, this guy, he's won many rings. Let's let's look up to Magic. And MJ's like, nah, you got to look up to me because I'm the best on the court. So at the end of the day, you know, you could say Magic was the greatest point guard of all time, I guess, uh, to a certain extent. But then this guy named MJ comes along. And he just wants to compete and compete and compete. And when M when Magic when Magic chirped him during that scrimmage, MJ got like seven straight buckets, and then we all know what happened there. 
Well, what were your guys' initial thoughts? I know after that scrimmage, it was a little tense. It was a little tense on the bus. But what were your guys' initial thoughts on the competitiveness during that scrimmage? Do you think the NBA nowadays needs a little bit more flair like that? I kind, I kind of liked it. You need to be competitive. You have the best players, not only in the NBA, in the world, on your team, right? You need that competitive drive and throughout the whole tournament, right? So, and again, just that practice, having Magic and Jordan going back and forth. Uh, again, it just shows, uh, just shows how, again, competitive the team was, but also how close they were because they did want to push each other to that high level. They expect it from one another, right? Magic expected it from Jordan. Jordan expected it from Magic uh, and from everyone else too, right? Um, again, I, I really like the team. I have no problem with how competitive they were. I think it just brought them closer together. I know you guys touched on uh, Isaiah Thomas the other, uh, the other episode there. Again, with somebody like that, maybe being already having a rough relationship with everybody else, could be a little bit different, but in terms of, um, you know, two great players going at each other during practice that respect one another, I actually have no problem with that. Yeah, I'm with you. I wish I was in the league now. Like, too, It's too buddy-buddy a little bit. Like, when it comes time to the court, they should put that behind them and compete to shoot. Like, show who's the best player in the world, who of them is the most dominant. I think now it's like, it turns into like friendly competition. Like it turns into a summer league game a little bit, like a scrimmage when they play. Like you don't see those rivalries anymore. Like Pinello was talking about last week. Like he kind of loved that Isaiah Thomas didn't shake Jordan's hand. He didn't like. He thought it was natural. It was uh, more genuine like that. And of course, Isaiah Thomas wasn't on the team. He should have been over John Stockton. I think uh, Isaiah Thomas was probably the best point guard at the time, so should have been there if they're redoing the team. But when Jordan's talking about it, he kind of does have a point that Isaiah Thomas had problems with everyone on the team there. Like Magic Johnson, they hated each other, went back and forth. Uh, Detroit beat them in the finals twice. And uh, you should see him and Jordan clearly didn't like each other. And I think that would have probably took away from the team chemistry because in practice, if you have Isaiah Thomas in there instead of John Stockton, you know he's going after Michael Jordan hard. And uh, I think that would have turned like, everyone against them. And maybe the Dream Team wouldn't have been that whole uh, great chemistry of a camaraderie that they had. It would have been more of an ego-driven team. So I think it was good that Isaiah Thomas probably, for his own good and his career, was left off. In terms of like competitiveness now in like this NBA, who do you think would be the two guys to clash to be, like, at, at the top of the throne? Who do you think it would be? Like in terms of uh, like a practice like that for a dream team kind of practice? Yeah, like who would be who would be the two leaders to like I would, drive? I would hope it's LeBron and Kevin Durant. I would hope. I still think those two, I I I wish I could see a one-on-one between them. But obviously, you know, everyone's gonna say LeBron and Giannis, obviously. Um, I just wanna see I would want to see LeBron and KD uh, because, you know, they those two have a lot of history together, right? Definitely in the finals. Um, and again, you have one guy who who can shoot lights out whenever he can pull up from anywhere. And we've seen that as Raptors fans too. You know, we you came back for that, you know, a little bit there in those, those finals. We got scared a little bit, right? And we've also seen LeBron and what he did, did to the Raptors. I'm not going to... Uh, extend on that because it was a tough time for us but 
uh, those two I would kind of want to see in that sort of uh, environment like that. I like to see uh, Kawhi and KD because that whole uh, everyone talking about, oh, okay, if KD wasn't injured, they would still win. Doesn't change the fact that they didn't win. He did play. He tore his Achilles. Kawhi Leonard was on one leg and they still win, but they forget about that. So uh, I would like to see that. And in a dream final scenario, of course, if the Raptors weren't in it, if we want to see that rivalry renewed, I think it would be Houston in the finals and against Brooklyn, Kyrie KD against Russell Westbrook and uh, James Harden. If you want to see how basketball in like the old days of guys going at each other, I think Westbrook and Harden would 100% go after KD and make his life a living hell. So that's a dream scenario if they want the NBA to return to that. Yeah, I was going to say that. I'm like, if there's two guys that would probably bring out the most competitive part of their game, it's KD and Russell Westbrook. Those two guys, after what went down in OKC where, you know, Durant, he's like, yeah, man, like he, he had dinner with Russell Westbrook and he said, I'm not leaving. And then the next day he dips to Golden State. So, like, I, I understand Westbrook. He, he didn't talk to him for like that, those two years there. And when he faced them, like they were they were very competitive in their face. Um, Westbrook had Westbrook got the better of him and then KD got the better of him. We all know in the end result, KD got his two finals MVPs, his rings. Um, but, man, I just love the way Russ plays. I think he's very old school in that, like, he will go in your face if there's something going on where, like, we have been talking about, it's too buddy-buddy nowadays. Like, you are you put up 40 points, and the other team isn't even pissed off. Like, I remember uh, it was last year, it was Golden State versus the Raps, KD dropped 50 points on us. We still won. And after the game, everyone's dabbing him up. He's dabbing up Drake. It's like, oh, man, like he just dropped 50 on you. Wouldn't you like kind of not want to talk to him? Be like, hey, man, get the hell out of here. Like you almost beat us. Like mm -hmm. that's like that's the one thing I miss. It's like if you're going to put up 50 points, you could acknowledge it and you could respect it maybe off the court. But like when you're like right after the game, I'm not going up and dabbing him and being like, hey, man, like you killed it. You killed us tonight. Like I'm not. I'm not doing that. I know it's nice, but at the end of the day, I feel like it's too friendly nowadays. Like even that's why everyone talks about oh, LeBron James doesn't have the the mentality of an MJ or a Kobe. He doesn't have that assassin type mentality. And that the reason being, I think, is the, the modern NBA. He's not supposed to be going up to everyone's face and yelling and screaming. And we all know that if you blow if you blow wind on a player, it's going to be a foul nowadays. So the league is completely different. I just feel like maybe if Adam Silver, if he's watching this doc, I think he is. Maybe he can try and revert back to some old tactics because, man, the NBA in the back back then, the competitiveness was just, it was so awesome. It was just a different feel where nowadays, you know, uh, Chiselle, we were talking last week about how social media has kind of changed it, how, you know, you're you're always on your phone instagram you have this image online and you have to stick with it so i feel like do you think that that's maybe one of the main reasons why people are all buddy buddy today yeah i think uh you have this and kind of michael jordan also said it too right you have this image right and you gotta you know you you have it's all about your reputation right and i feel like everyone's just trying to live up to that you know don't push the envelope at all right i kind of uh, I kind of respect 
back in not back back in the day, but even like when LeBron and the big three and the Celtics used to go at each other a little bit more. But again, there too, right? You might have a, for example, a Paul Pierce hard hard foul on LeBron, but then again, you're still buddy buddy with him just after the fact, after the game, right? But again, like you said, uh, social media, stuff like that, uh, you have this image, you have this reputation that uh, you want to hold on to. Uh, and I don't know, it could be endorsements too that could play a factor. You don't want to be labeled as a bad guy too. Um, but again, you have something to live up to. And that's why I think guys just kind of just stay calm and they don't, it's not like before. I don't think it will be unless things change drastically. Yeah, and even like with uh, the Dream Team, that whole thing, that scrimmage that they were showing, I think a lot of NBA executives and GMs are probably warming up to the idea of playing with no fans because if you're going to get that competitive edge from some of those guys in an empty gym, just them two going back and forth for an NBA title, I think it would add a different element to uh, just a TV product uh, in the time being. So I think maybe... They'll experiment with that a little bit, but uh, I think they proved back then that if you're really into it, you're really competitive, you can make it work without any fans because a lot of people are saying that's the best game Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson ever played and there were no fans in the building. Yeah, um, even like I'm talking about, I think also with the competitive factor is like you, you talk about shoe deals, you talk about you know, commercials, anything like that. Like, look at just look at the way MJ did it. You know, like he's he's doing commercials with kids, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, the gambling scandal comes out. He didn't really, he didn't. I wouldn't say he reacted to it like a pro that much. Like he he kind of was. It was new to him. He never really had negativity in the media, so he was kind of like, okay, like how how do I react to this? Do I be cocky? Do I not really say anything? And of course. When it came to the interviews, you know, he was kind of he brushed it off. He was kind of dry, but at the end of the day, he 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 took it all out on the court. You know, he was he was pissed off. He would just go on the court. He dropped forty, <laughs> and he he win the game. So um, I feel like, like you said, Alina, with the empty arena, if it's probably going to happen, I know uh, LeBron definitely doesn't want he he's voiced that he doesn't want that because he's all about the fans and he's all about you know uh, the excitement. I feel like I, I agree with you. I feel like if there's maybe an empty arena and, you know, you can hear the echoes and if it's very quiet, I feel like now more players are going to start, they're going to start talking a little more. Be like, hey, man, you didn't get your guy there. Why didn't you get your guy? There's no fans here to, to boo you or cheer you. Just get on your guy and play your role. So maybe if, if I feel like if there can be one thing that can bring back the old NBA, maybe it could be the empty arenas. Maybe more role players can get a little more vocal. We know guys like Draymond, they don't shut up. They just talk and talk and talk. Maybe a guy like a Powell or maybe a guy like an Ibaka, they can maybe talk a little more. We all know how great Kyle Lowry is as a leader. That guy talks all the time. He's what he's well respected everywhere. Um, but I would I would love to see how it goes in an empty arena. I want to see if uh, people actually end up talking and there's no more buddy buddy nonsense, or if it stays the set, it stays the status quo because we all remember social media. It's basically taken over everyone's lives, and you know you have girls messaging and you have all these other things, and you know players get distracted really easily, man. Even with video games, video games has become a big part of some NBA players. Like we saw, I don't know if you guys saw on Instagram, Josh Hart. Slamming his keyboard on, on the thing. <laughs> so, 
again, it, it's because of COVID while they're doing all these video game, you know, tournaments, but it's a big part of their lives too. Like they're just, they're human beings just like us. They like socializing. They like playing video games. And I feel like sometimes they forget that they're actually a pro athlete where like they can't be competitive. So I feel like now that there's going to be no, no uh, fans in the arenas, maybe we can finally, we can finally start seeing that. But man, moving on, I want to just quickly talk about hockey, quickly talk about if the league comes back uh, where we were talking, I think it was, I think it, they were saying it might come back in July and then the season would start in December and before they go back on the ice, there would be a three-week little training camp. Do you guys agree with that, or do you think um, they should maybe just cancel the season entirely and start in October? I, w- I would say I'm I'm on board with that. I just I'm still unsure about these timelines, right? Just in terms of if you do come back to the season, how uh, how do the playoffs go? What's what's the format, right? Again, it's a very it's a very tight window. Right. Uh, but again, though, I'm kind of I'm always against canceling even for NBA as well. Right. I'm always against canceling the season entirely because players work hard to where they're at right now. And um, and you can go back to into ind- individual awards, stuff like that. But in terms of um, going to the playoffs, winning winning Stanley Cups, too. Right. Uh, guys don't get those opportunities. They don't come all the time. They're rare. So if you're taking that away from somebody by canceling the season, I would feel for them, right? But again, it gets a little bit tricky, though, uh, with the timeline. But I do think you should come back to the season uh, in some way or shape. I just, I'm still unsure about that timeline. Yeah, I agree there. And I think if they do come back, I wouldn't do the training camp thing. I would say the top 20 teams, so 10 from each conference make the playoffs just for this year only. And for the NHL, I would just do single elimination over two weeks. So, because the NHL, they already lack in viewership in the States, right? So, if they do single elimination, I think it would follow that model that soccer does, like the World Cup, the Euro Cup, where it gets, like, more interest if it's just single elimination, one game, you win, you're in, and then it'll make the Stanley Cup final more meaningful for, I guess, the casual viewer to tune in because they know it's a sudden death. Whoever wins this game's a champ, so... If they do come back, I'd like to see that. Maybe you have a buy for the top teams in each conference. So like Tampa and maybe even uh, whoever's in the West. I think right now uh, in first place, they would have a buy. And then the next round, you just go down the list, reseed. Uh, you don't have to do second and third. Go from second versus 10th, uh, third versus ninth, and so on. Just this your experiment because then once the whole CBA comes up, you have something where, okay, we tried this out one year, it worked. We like this, uh, maybe add it to the next CBA, and it avoids a lockout like that, hopefully, because the NHL likes a lockout every so often. Uh, and Maybe Gary Bettman's fault, maybe it's the players' union's fault, whoever it is, come to an agreement here so like that we don't have another lockout like we had just a few years ago. So if it were to go, like uh, Alino just said, single knockout, are the Leafs, uh, does that favor the Leafs? <laughs> I, I think it could favor the Leafs, but I think, um, again, that's, I hope the goaltending holds up because either way, Freddie's playing every game and if he gets tired, we're in big trouble. But I do think in that single game elimination, I, 
just from a gut feeling, I do think that favors. I like the Boston Bruins in that. I don't know why. I again, I'm not a big as a Leafs fan. I'm not a big fan of Boston, obviously, but I do respect uh, the way they play as well. Um, they're a hardworking team, and you got Pasternak, who's you know he's not on the rise. He's there now, right? And I just think they have a complete team. Also, you could throw in Tampa as well. There, I'm seeing all these Atlantic Division teams. I know, but um, I, for me personally, it does favor the Leafs. I think that I think it favors Boston a little bit more, just because I think they can handle uh, that pressure a little bit better. Yeah, the Leafs, I think, would have a good chance because there's no practice. I think, and uh, you don't have to worry about doing all these stupid drills. The Leafs go out and play. Like when Kessel, I think Arizona would benefit from that with Kessel because. When it was that lockout year, it was his best year, I think, that he's ever had because he didn't have to do the practice on the off days. Just fill, go do your pregame meal, whatever that is, hot dog, cheeseburger, go enjoy yourself, come on the ice and just do work. So I think uh, it would help the Leafs. Edmonton, I think would I would be scared to play Edmonton because McDavid, Dreisaitl, if it's one, one and done like that, I don't like Calgary's chances in there. Maybe a seven-game series, they can wear them down, but... I think a single elimination, you're looking at Edmonton, uh, uh, Tampa, Toronto, Boston, like the Atlantic teams from the West, I'd be scared to play Edmonton. Yeah, I was going to say, if it goes to like a single knockout, I feel like skill could actually take out the physical game in that point because everyone talks about, oh, in in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you have to be, you know, defensive, you have to be physical. But if it's a single knockout, maybe skill could actually overcome that because, you know, you could just win one game, you know, McDavid, Dreisaitl, they go off every game. So it'd probably be like a 6-2 win. Um, I feel like if if it was a single knockout, why not have a Toronto-Edmonton final? You have McDavid-Matthews. That would just be, you know, clash of the Titans right there in terms of skill. But um, I really don't know what to expect if the NHL goes back. I don't know if, you know, there's going to be some – Guys that are just, you know, off. Like, remember last year, William Nylander, the whole season, was basically a wash because he missed training camp and his stupid agent. Just, just an off time. But uh, what what do you guys think would happen if, if the league were to come back and it was just the same? It was best of seven every single, every series. Do you think teams would, do you think the Stanley Cup final would be, like, very slow-paced and very, because, man, they're going to be tired. They're going to be tired, I, rusty as well. It's, I, that's why I think you need, when you come back, again, you can't make it too long, this training camp. I know they're, they're looking at it. You can't make it too long at all. But you might need something because these players are just not used to it. They haven't been skating. Uh, so most of them have not been skating right now, right? And I just think in a best of seven, I don't know how, I don't know how these guys would hold up after. You, you're away from the game for so long. Right. And again, you're treating it like an off season. Right. But, you know, you're in the mindset of you're still I'm coming back. I'm coming back. But um, when you do come back, it's it's not that easy. Right. And we saw it with, like you said, Chris, with Willie as well. Um, Some guys can adapt to that. Some guys, though, might might, uh, have a difficult time. It's different for everybody. Right. I just think a best of seven uh, just does not work at this point. They could do that, but I still think the single elimination or maybe something along those lines too would just be uh, better for the NHL. Yeah, and I think even best of seven, it would 
I don't think the quality would be as good because like you were talking about, you don't know how shape like wise, like how physical these guys will want to be because they've been out so long. Like, will they really want to go in and hit against the boards like crazy and really grind away if they they're at exposed there for in an injury? I think it'd be safer to have them come back maybe one week of skating and then just that one game. You don't have to worry about getting injured. It's just a one and done. Have more energy. Uh, have the game split up into three days apart, and then uh, you go from there. Because if you do a game seven and there's no fans, you're really not making any gate from the <laughs> from the arena. So you're losing money as it is. If you go single elimination, it's, it goes back to that uh, World Junior format, OHL format, just one and done. And uh, like get it over with, you go back to the draft and then free agency right away. You can still start your season maybe two weeks later in October. It doesn't push it to December and you can still have another full season next year. So I think it's benefits them just to have the single elimination because game seven, uh, best of seven, some of them would go seven games because of the conditions some of these guys are in. It will probably be not the greatest hockey as some people hope yeah. it would be. And yeah, I just like single elimination. Well, out of all the NHL players, who do you think would strive the most if you had to pick one guy? Ooh, like coming coming back from... Uh, like, let's say they did, like, a single knockout uh, and, like, everyone's coming back. Who's the one guy you're putting all your chips on to go all the way? Honest? Well, I, you, got, you have to say McDavid at that point, right? But I'm still... I don't know. I, I'm thinking. Uh, call me crazy, right? But I'm still. I'm still thinking like an Austin Matthews can still take you, take you to that point, right? Depends on the goal scoring, right? If teams can make it, if he can find a way just to score and to take, he could take the Leafs all the way. Uh, but again, you have a guy like Pasternak as well. I just talked about him before. It's. I don't know why. Whenever I see him play, he makes things happen. I really like his game, and that's why I think Boston would. Uh, would benefit from that, but I just I'm very curious to see the McDavid and Drysaitel pairing, what what they can do, and I also think Drysaitel wants to show that he's not necessarily a number two, he's a number one on another team. He's and I think he still wants to show how good he is away from McDavid, right? Um, and again, that's that's another guy that I can see that if Edmonton wants to go all the way. Like, he wants to be, like, just the best player in the playoffs, right? So that's one guy, too, that I would go with. Yeah, I'm with you there. If there's two, like, all of the stars, I think, would want to, like, just for themselves, be there. But I think Austin Matthews and Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, Dreisaitl, I think, is kind of like where that Scottie Pippen uh, situation is. Like, everyone's looking at the best in the game in McDavid. Uh, like Scottie Pippen, everyone's looking at Jordan. They're kind of discrediting him a little bit. Like, okay, he's playing with the best player, but if uh, Drysaddle can prove himself, this is his opportunity. And then you look at the Leafs and Matthews, where okay, they brought John Tavares in. He's the captain, not Austin Matthews, who was first overall. It's uh, opportunity here, even for Matthews. He's making more than Tavares, and he can come out and prove that he's way better, head and shoulders above him, fifty goal scorer, and really take over the team. So, like, that next year, people will be looking at, okay, John Tavares might be having the C on his jersey, but we all know whose team it really is. So, those are the two guys I think would benefit the most. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with Nathan McKinnon. Out of all the guys, I feel like he's the guy that uh, – this is his time, man. I think uh, every playoffs he's been in, he's strived 
doesn't matter the scenario. I remember his rookie playoffs. He had 10 and seven and they got eliminated by Minnesota. So I feel like, I don't know, man, I'm going, I'm going with Nathan McKinnon here. I feel like he's the second, third best player in the league. I feel like he's right there with the McDavid's. No one's better than McDavid, but he's right there with him. He's with the dry side, all the Matthews, the Crosby, he's right there. And I think, if guys like Landis Cog and Rantanen, who've been injured all year, they're now finally, I guess, healthy, maybe they can finally do some damage. I really want to see Colorado versus Edmonton. I want to see how that would go. But uh, I'll go with Nathan McKinnon. But before we go off, I just want to ask uh, you guys this question because, again, we're talking about the last dance, uh, talking about Magic Johnson. This has actually come up quite a bit. Do you guys believe that Magic Johnson is far away the best point guard of all time? Or do you think guys like Steve Nash, Chris Paul, Steph Curry could say something about that? Uh, again, no disrespect to uh, all those guys, too, that you just listed. Uh, and I'm also a big fan of John Stockton, too. I, I was a big fan of him. I just think, yeah, Magic Johnson just, he's far away the best point guard of all time. Just can do everything. This guy can pass, score rebound there's that the finals day where he played all five positions too so again just for me and just in terms of winning as well right you win championships uh and you win that many as well you're the best right we see that with jordan we see that uh and again what you guys talked about before with passing the torch right during that dream team practice uh just for me magic uh is that is that guy everyone just wanted to be uh, back in the day as well. He's that typical point guard. He was the perfect size for a point guard as well. Um, and just a guy who was, had that winning mentality. Not a lot of guys have that. And that's what I think separates him from guys, for example, you know, Isaiah Thomas, amazing player, um, and won two titles as well. Uh, but again, not somebody that uh, that you look at as the best or somebody with that winning mentality, right? Um, so that's for me, Magic Johnson is the best point card. He's in my top five NBA players of all time. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, just so he reinvented that position. He was a big guy. The way he was able to be uh, assisting with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar there and then just move around, score, get an undefendable shot that he had and uh, just – career-wise like you brought up there he's in the finals like almost every year he produced in the finals he got his championships guys like Allen Iverson Steve Nash uh John Stockton they were all great um Steve Nash never won the championship uh he did go to the Lakers after but then his career got cut short uh he had the MVPs but uh even Stockton he went to the finals lost to MJ so those guys were in a bad situation I think like even Iverson he played against the Lakers Kobe and Jack, like, unfortunate for them. So I think that's what takes them out of the conversation. If they got, like, four to five rings, I think they would be right there. But I think the closest might even be Isaiah Thomas because he beat Magic in the final. He did have the back-to-back -back, uh, wins there. He beat Jordan in the playoffs. He beat Larry Bird. So uh, in terms of what he accomplished, I think Isaiah Thomas is probably the closest to uh, Magic Johnson. So if, if Steph Curry were to win another, like, two titles... Like, he'd have five championships. Does that then kind of put him over the hump there? Because Stephen A. has said 
Steph Curry is the second greatest point guard of all time. He's the best shooter of all time, no doubt about it. I'm not gonna include. You know, we've seen guys like Kyle Korver, Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, all these guys. You know, they're amazing. They're pioneers. But Steph Curry, man, he's just different when it comes to shooting the basketball. Um, do you guys believe though that Steph Curry could potentially be a top three point guard all time? Definitely. I he's. For sure, 100%, the greatest shooter of all time. Uh, for me, I just have a hard time looking at Steph Curry. He is a point guard. I just have, I look at him in a different way compared to Magic Johnson, Allen Iverson, uh, Isaiah Thomas, guys like that. He's a lethal shooter, right? Um, but again, in terms of passing, uh, it could be a little bit different. Nobody can be a Magic Johnson. That's, that's difficult, right? Um, but in terms of getting a few, couple more rings, I would say it definitely puts him in that conversation, no doubt about it. Once you have um, that many rings, like it's, you cannot take that person away from that, right? That top five, top three, whatever you want to do, right? Um, again, different kind of style point guard, I would say, compared to the other guys. Uh, but definitely, even right now, I would say if he keeps the shooting, keeps up the shooting, which he will, we know that. Uh, he's in that conversation for me either way. Yeah, for me too. I think Steph Curry, the only thing that he's missing is a finals MVP. So if he wins another two rings and gets a finals MVP in both, I think he's in that discussion. Uh, definitely would pass Isaiah Thomas because Steph Curry got the unanimous MVP that year. Uh, against the Raptors, I thought he was really good last year. If the Golden State Warriors would... Uh, beat the Raptors if the Raptors would have choked. Thankfully, it didn't happen. I think Curry would have won the MVP for sure. Uh, thankfully, that didn't happen. But if Golden State were to go back to the final, which is likely, depending on uh, the health of some of their players and what they're able to do at the draft, I think for sure he's in uh, that discussion with Magic. Wow. Well, that's uh, – you guys have anything else to really add? That's it. That's it for – I think we all – I think we said it all there. What do you guys think of uh, that little rumor coming out? The Raptors trading maybe Kyle Lowry, their old guys going after the big baller brand, LaMelo. Oh, the big baller brand in Toronto? I think, You know what? I, I would want to see that. I want to see. I just hope LaMelo land wherever, whenever the draft is, I hope he lands on a team where the fit is there, right? And... Uh, Again, I see a lot of different different things. I don't think Golden State will draft him. I don't think he would fit on there anyways, right? I saw a lot of the Pistons were looking at him as well. Could be a fit as well. I wouldn't mind a uh, LaMelo throwing it up to Blake Griffin or something. I don't know. Could revitalize Blake Griffin's, I don't know, dunking and stuff like that. Uh, but again, just I would want to see that, though, LaMelo in Toronto. I'm down. Uh, I said it. I said it to Pinello last night. I don't want to see Lamelo in Toronto. I don't think it'll work out. I feel like uh, you talk about egos. You talk about a lot of different things, and you know, uh, Lamelo Ball, hell of a player. Lonzo, hell of a player. But you know, sometimes when you're a great player, it be, there's some media attention, like we were talking about before. Lamelo, I don't know, man, if he's going to be that that number one guy a lot of people are saying i think his defense is absolutely awful right now uh i've watched him in a couple games i know he faced uh you know men in the nbl but 
his offense is scary. I think if he can put it all together, he can be like a Trey Young. Not obviously his size, he's way taller, but I mean like his actual offensive gift is just there. His three-point shot, his range is ridiculous. He'll shoot from wherever. Um, But I feel like his confidence is not there. I feel like he's not confident enough yet. We all know he's not the strongest guy. He's really small. And I'm not ready to give up on Kyle Lowry yet. I mean, he's 34. Um, He's still amazing. He's still there. He was a he was an all-star this year and he was a big part of that game I don't I don't know I know uh, Lowry's contracts coming up I know Ibaka's is coming up I know there's a lot of um, there's a lot of things that Masai has to deal with um, you know if we get Giannis in 2021 that's another that's another topic for discussion but I don't want to see Lamelo in Toronto and I don't know if that's just me being very uh, hypocritical or very cautious. But I feel like if a guy like LaMelo Ball comes here and we give up a lot and he doesn't pan out, that'll slow us down quite a bit. So um, I feel like for now, just pump the brakes with him. Like uh, Chiselli was saying, maybe go to a team that's actually in the dumps, like the Pistons or the Knicks, like a team that really needs to revitalize their whole franchise because, man, the Knicks, they lost last year's free agency big time. They lost KD Kyrie. They didn't get anybody. They traded poor Zingas, and they literally they literally didn't get anybody. So, and then you, you you know you talk about the Pistons, you talk about Blake Griffin going down. They trade Drummond, D Rose I thought was gone. Um, so they're a team that definitely needs help. And then I also heard that the Wizards apparently want Lamelo Ball. So I don't know if that means they're going to move on from John Wall or Bradley Beal, but I just don't see that happening. So I feel like Lamelo Ball going to the Raps. I feel like that's a wrap. I feel like I, I don't want to see that. I feel like that's just something I don't want to see. I feel like I agree with Chiselli. I want him to go to a team where the fit is definitely there. Like, like take it for example, D'Lo going to the Warriors. What was that? That was awful. <laughs> Goes there and, you know, luckily Curry was injured so he could actually play because if Curry wasn't injured, what, what's D'Lo playing? A two guard? Is he, is he a shooting guard there where – the guys that he's guarding are, you know, a lot more physical than him. So I don't – the fit never worked there. It fits more for Wiggins. Um, but still, Wiggins, I feel like he's going to get traded. I don't know why. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I feel like LaMelo Ball definitely won't go to Golden State. But I do want to see him thrive. I, I said – I did a mock draft actually before on my YouTube. I want him to go to Minnesota. I feel like LaMelo going to Minnesota with a guy like – Carl Anthony Towns, and you can maybe even you could have Lamelo Ball maybe be the two guard because he's like six eight. He could, he could be a two guard that can pass. He could facilitate. So you could have D'Lo and Lamelo Ball in your as your backcourt. They're also they're both not even over twenty five. And then you could have Carl Anthony Towns. Yes, the defense isn't there, but you know they could add role players to that. They can you know you can get back a Covington. You could get an Iguodala. You can get someone else. So I feel like maybe the Timberwolves, the Knicks, or the Pistons are the best destination for LaMelo Ball. Not the Raps. <laughs> yeah, that, that's basically it for this week. Alrighty, yeah, so tune in next week. We got uh, Anthony Pinello making his uh, grand return. Uh, I think it'll be at episode 80. have to double check. But uh, yeah, it's the big 8-0. Chaselli uh, was great having you on, buddy. Thanks, Rob. Uh, guys. Offer is always open. Open invite. You know, 
during a time if you want to talk about last dance mj whatever you want offers there so anytime you want to come back on for sure looking forward to it all right that was our latest episode stick around maybe watch some past ones next week we've got a good one planned already piniello uh wants to talk about some leaf rankings so we'll probably go back into the archive of from 1985 on because i'm not looking at black and white footage and uh we'll take it from there so that's all for this week thanks a lot <laughs>